Hello, my name is Zachary Trailer, and you are listening to Morning Voice, a political journey. Episode number 13, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt is one of the most iconic Republican candidates, representing a wing of the party that no longer truly exists. He represented one of the working man. He represented what at the time was called progressivism, but what we now should call simply a fair deal or the square deal. He wanted to make sure that labor was protected through the industrialization we found, believing that children should not be thrown into the factories and the mines at the age of eight, but rather should go to school, learn, be children. He is what helped change society in America, for sure, uh, from one where the top dollar and Rockefeller, Carnegie, and Vanderbilt came and wrecked havoc on the free market. He was a trust buster. And while he did a lot of good through his environmentalism, creating the national parks, uh, something that I think every every hunter, every Republican, every conservative should be proud of because these are the lands that we usually hunt on. These are the lands that we we get to take our family to to visit. This is how we protect the the environment that we then require for that that we then require for uh subsistence. I mean, every time we go go out hog hunting, every time we go out to to kill a deer for for food, we we are 9 times out of 10 using land that was set aside due to this movement, both st- uh, locally, state, and nationally. And seeing as we're in the Cape Fear River Valley and Cape Fear River Basin, we need to make sure that we protect this as this is our home and this is what, what keeps our city and our, our community vital. But besides that, I want to talk about his economic policy because he, besides Henry Clay and Ross Perot, he is the third man that I based my 10-point visionary plan's economic uh, plank on. And it's because he believed that the common man, the, the worker, the he believed that the tradesmen, the the people who actually produce should be given a their their share of the pie. He didn't believe that the uh robber barons of his time should be hoarding all the wealth. Not and because he just like I said last week, why is it you know to him, why was it easier to say that twenty million Americans were lazy rather than that five men were greedy? And it's that simple. And now today that that has been taken to an even bigger extreme with only what the top 0.1%, the the top 100 people in America having more wealth than all of the bottom bottom portion combined. A healthy working class and a healthy society is one where tradesmen are out here making, uh, you know, being independent contractors or, or you know, not being labeled these uh, pseudo. Well, one of the biggest gaps we see and one that the rich love to to use as a wedge point is they they say hey construction workers um tradesmen laborers all of you guys can be 10 1099 employees and you'll love it especially if you have your own small small pri- uh company because then you're able to literally write it off you get to use the benefits usually of an llc so that way you can use most things as a write-off and then limit your tax burden whereas uh people then want to shit talk for for a lack of a better word and demonize uber uh uber drivers, uh, and all these gig economy workers. When the fact of the matter is that they have the exact same, um, issues that you, uh, that 1099 employees have, because that is what they are. They're, they're known as gig workers and they're seen as separate. However, the, the tax system and many of our, and our legal system treat them as, uh, uh, almost identical. The, the service you provide is something of your own. You're, you're being, uh, paid off for that specific service. You're allowed to work at your own uh, I don't want to say your own pace, but you're allowed to take on the job in the way that you bet that you see fit, and then um, the co- the company will choose to uh, hire rehire you for other 
jobs based on your work. And that's literally what Uber and Lyft are, except for they, they have been they, – they get to keep that uh, difference. They get to keep them lumped in with, the, uh, with us, the working men, the, the soldiers, the farmers, the tradesmen, uh, the worker. But, but they want to make – they want to put them in the other group and demonize them because they're like, oh, well, why do they – why should they be paid you know, $22 an hour? All they're doing is driving, and that's the exact same argument they used to use against us in the, the 1900s and something that Teddy Roosevelt himself fought against. There, there was no more demonizing the, the working class. You're no longer going to be able to – back then it was a factory worker and a farmer uh, was a, a large social gap. But then they realized when they came together, many of the policies that they both saw and many of the – if not policies, the, the ideas they had uh, uh, combined. And that's what I'm trying to, trying to show is here in Fayetteville, our largest divide is going to be racism, uh, you know, race lines. In race relations, we're also going to have the big line of uh, soldiers and their poorly received uh, reputation in the community. Uh, mostly of it being justified as the as the disruptive few uh, give a bad rap to the um, law abiding majority, and so these are these are lines that those in the ruling class, the Republicans, the Democrats, and such, are out here trying to exploit for their own gain because they know that if they keep us divided they can keep us they they can keep us submissive and that is something that we need we need to to realize that we have many of the same complaints an uber driver who's being overworked and underpaid averaging $15 an hour sounds you know in theory good oh it's only $15 but then you also have to just like it's like oh it's only you know you're making $30 $40 off of a lawn uh in the uh landscaping business that sounds great, but then you have to think about the time if you're having a crew, the gas, uh, the, the maintenance, the wear and tear, making sure that you resharpen the blades, uh, you know, making sure that you have proper oil changes, getting your, your axles realigned, not on just your trucks, but also your trailers. There's a lot of these moving parts, and you quickly add, you know, the, the amount, your expenses quickly add up. And so that is why, you know, th this is, you know, the same argument but being shown through a different lens. And the more that we peel back, the, the blanket of oppression, the more that we take, you know, take a look at the world for how it is and not how the media portrays it, the sooner we will realize that we have a lot more political allies and a lot more political unity and, and areas that we agree on rather than the few small, you know, yes, a lot of these social issues are ones that need to be addressed, but these social issues can only be addressed whenever we take an objective look and we realize, hey, this, you know, a was it two thirds of Americans believe that fifteen weeks is a proper uh, limit on abortion. And while I think that that is weight that that is uh, on the conservative side, I do want to emphasize that that is a middle ground that people are able to find. And whether you are on the uh, pro life to to the extent of no abortion, or you are on the pro um, pro choice side all the way up until um, birth. I do think that there is an argument to be made that that middle ground is where we need to, to find. And so if in North Carolina, where the voters have shown 22 weeks, six days is where that where they feel most comfortable, as does Ohio, as does uh, many other states, then let's uphold the will of the people. But we don't need to be caught up in our dogma. Just because we believe it needs to be one way or the other, we need to listen to these other stories. And we need to listen and make sure that that we not only... Not only do we listen, but we also take the time to understand what we're being told. Today, I'm going to, I know I've cut a lot into it, and I don't think that there's a person I can overall use 
as a story. What I do want to show is instead not all the glamour and hope, but also I want to show you my former bosses at Duncan when I worked there for a day. It was a franchisee. Three friends started it roughly 20 to 30 years ago. I'm a little fuzzy on the exact date because I didn't stay there long enough to memorize. They use the franchising model, a model that I think should should be looked down upon, frowned upon, and from a, a tax, a, a economic standpoint, seen as the drain at the drain of what it is. Because all it is is the land is being rented out to these people, such as my the old owners. Uh, they're being the land itself is owned by the corporation. It is then rented out along with a franchising fee to to these brothers, who then have to make up the difference. So that way, Duncan is guaranteed. The price, and they get to own the land that the business own uh, sits on. The, the only part of the business that will, uh, besides the brand, which in this case they don't even have ownership of, rather they're just using the licensing rights for. Uh, th- this is a, a situation we see time and time again in fast food and retail shops. Franchising has come and destroyed the American worker. Rather than the money that they that they earn through through hard work, rather than the sales and the uh, dishwashers and the bakers making a, a genuine wage, even if it's not $20, $30 an hour, even if it's only a, a decent college wage of 12 to 13, they would get to keep it. Rather than that, they're being paid state minimum while this store owner or the store manager is only making eleven fifty, and all for what? So that way they can get their portion, which they rightfully deserve, but usually that's where it stops. With a mom and pop store, that is where it ends. Instead, they have to make an excess amount of, of wealth to then send off to the corporation's headquarters that, that then get re-put into the investors. Um, this, this money is being wasted and this money is being taken out of our economy for no reason other than pure greed. We need to make sure that where we spend our money, whenever we go out to eat, whether it's, I'm not a fan of Wienerworks because I'm not a fan of hot dogs, but they're a, lo- a, a local regional chain that keeps its money within the economy. We need to support more of those unless, we, if we're going to a McDonald's, we need to tell McDonald's they need to actually own their restaurants. Franchising is a new form of, uh, of trust and is a new form of for the, the ruling class to, to divide us. The owners of my old job, while I do think they, they had many issues, I think that they were also just victims of a system that decide that, that they were thrust into and it was their only that it was their viable way of success. I do not blame them, but I think that the system that allowed it to happen and the system that was built upon need to be uh fixed that way rather than than them having to rely on a, a franchising fee and paying paying back the land to uh paying paying a monthly or a yearly uh fee to duncan for because they're not able to own the land rather than do all that they need to be having a option where they can start their own donut shop where they're, they're able to create a business and a regional chain that stays within the community rather than extrapolating the wealth of the tradesman extrapolating the wealth of the of the worker and extrapolating the work uh, and wealth of those that actually produce. So that way investors, trust fund babies, and Corp and Wall Street are able to have a couple more zeros. I am tired of State Street, Vanguard, and BlackRock owning our state and owning our community. Vote Trailer 44.